My name is Peter Schwanda, and I serve as a deacon here at Christ the King. And I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you think is the most powerful force available to us as humans? What do you think is the most powerful thing we have at our disposal as humans? Einstein gave two answers. He said love or compound interest. Social scientist Jonathan, Jonathan Haidt says human cooperation. But this morning, I'm convinced, and I think James is as well, that it's words. Words have power to mobilize armies, to soften hearts, to change minds, to stir emotions, and to get us in a lot of trouble. As Mark Twain wrote, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. My wife Mimi and I had been married for only a short time and we were headed to bed one evening. And as we got ready to climb into bed, I said four words that I never should have said. Do not disturb me. Let me explain. My phone was plugged in across the room, and out of courtesy, I was asking my new bride to set my phone to the do not disturb me setting on my phone so that it wouldn't buzz or ring during the night. But to my new bride, what this communicated is, this new husband of yours is ready for sleep. No pillow talk, no nothing. Have you ever wished you could get back some of the words that you said? Now, thankfully, Mimi is more forgiving than I. We've realized the miscommunication and further damage was avoided. But I learned an important lesson. Words matter. Now, in last week's passage from James, we saw that listening to God and to others matters. And today in James 3, James tells us why words matter. And he gives us three reasons why we must watch our words. You can find a, an outline in your service leaflet on the inside of the back page. So first, as Christians, we must watch our words because our words will be judged. If you have James chapter 3 in front of you, you can look at the first two verses. We see that words matter because along with our deeds, our words will be judged by God. And words matter to God because he, as the author and creator, spoke our very world and our life into existence. The Psalm, Psalm 19, which Nadine so beautifully read, declares that the God who speaks creation into being, his very creation speaks of God's glory. Psalm 19 says that God's word and his law give wisdom and light and revive our soul. Furthermore, James reminds us that the words of teachers, especially, can guide those that they teach. If anyone is a teacher here, you know that the words that you speak have an influence on your listeners or pupils. Words can guide beliefs and they can guide actions. And as we see in our gospel reading, words that have eternal implications are judged even more strictly. Think about Jesus' words of rebuke to Peter. 
See, Peter's words could do good. They could declare that Jesus was the Christ, but they could also do ill, opposing the will of God. And Jesus rebukes Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, God's words are sent for a purpose. And for those who are in any position of teaching or leadership, the question is, for what purpose do we use our words? Words can lead to life or good or to harm and death. Now, lest we think that these are easy words spoken from the pulpit, James reminds us that this, as he says later in our passage, is harder than taming a wild animal. Psalm 19 verse 12 says, who can tell how often he offends? I think the psalmist knows how hard it is to not do harm with our words. We're not perfect, but this is worth the effort. So first, remember that we must watch our words because our words will be judged. And secondly, we must watch our words because words guide our actions. Look down at verses two through five. See, words matter because they have tremendous power both to impact our lives, but also to guide the actions of others. Think about that for a second. Your words actually can guide your actions. Sometimes we think about it the other way around but where we get phrases like self-fulfilling prophecy are because we often speak words, not having thought them through, and then go on to live it out without really thinking about what it is that we believe. Now, James gives us three great pictures in our passage, which would have been familiar to his audience. And all of them show us that the tongue, while small, has a disproportionate power in its member. First, and I don't know if there are any uh, equestrians among us. I am a rather pedestrian equestrian, much to the chagrin of my mother who grew up riding horses on a farm. But I did a little bit of research so that I would understand the first illustration. The first illustration is the bit and bridle for a horse. So a bridle is the apparatus that goes around a horse's head and neck and it controls the horse by putting pressure on the sensitive face and head of the horse. Furthermore, a bit, like this pen, is usually a metal rod that goes into the mouth of the horse. And by further applying pressure into the sensitive mouth, a rider is able to steer the much larger and more powerful animal. It's kind of like uh, a grandmother or grandfather grabbing the ear of a wayward child. A little bit of pressure in the right place goes a long way. There's a Russian proverb that says, Men are like donkeys, and if you want to hold them fast, you must have a firm grip on their ears. See, the tongue, while small, is powerful. Words can put ideas in our head, they can guide our actions, and they must be tamed so that we can use our words for life and for truth instead of evil or death. And the second illustration James gives may be more familiar to some of us, the rudder of a ship. Have you ever uh, sailed a small sailboat or paddled a canoe and found that it's actually 
quite difficult to keep that small craft headed in the direction you'd like. As a child, we would take an annual uh, trip about 10 miles canoeing down a river. And my 10-year-old friends and I would love to paddle our own boats. And I can tell you that we pretty quickly made the 10-mile voyage 15 by going from shore to shore, zigzagging our way downstream. See, we didn't know the power of a rudder. We didn't know how to use the paddle to steer our small boat. We were all vigor and no direction. The third picture that James gives us is a small spark that begins a forest fire. Consider that some words are so dangerous that they should be outlawed. The example uh, in legal history of it being prohibited to shout the word fire in a crowded room is the obvious example. But there are many other words that can have disastrous consequences. If you turn to the front of your leaflet, the words that were to be for our offertory text include this line. Just as a spark can start a fire, our words can damage or inspire. We pray for wisdom from above to speak and act in gentle love. So we must watch our words because they'll be judged. Secondly, we must watch our words because they guide actions. And third, we must watch our words because our words show us who we really are. Look at the second half of our reading. Now, much like last week's passage, James here is focusing in on the issue of hypocrisy and integrity. See, our words matter because if they don't match up with our lives, they prove us to be disingenuous, to be hypocritical, to not have the integrity God desires. But good words take on flesh. Consider John 1.14, the incarnation of the Son of God. John 1.14 says that the Word of God took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. Good words are meant to take on flesh and be lived out. That's the gospel, and that's what's meant for our lives as well. Think about, I mentioned this last week, but think about all the cliches about uh, words that aren't backed up by actions. Don't write checks you can't cash. Talk is cheap. Talk the talk, walk the walk. Good words take on flesh. But negatively, bad words can lead towards evil. Look down at verses 8 through 10. See, like poison, evil words can do horrible damage to those around us and offend God. You know the, the saying about sticks and stones. Well, I can tell you that James would say, and I would agree, that it's wrong. Words do, in fact, cause hurt and damage. They may not break literal bones, but they do hurt. Now, positively, our words can be filled with good. They can bless the Lord. They can give life to those whom we speak. And negatively, they can do evil. 
Shakespeare wrote, suit the action to the word, the word to the action. And James concludes his passage by giving four illustrations to remind us that our tongues, our words, are not meant to speak both good and evil. He gives the illustration of a freshwater spring that isn't meant to pour out salt water, of a saltwater pond that shouldn't give out fresh water, of a fig tree that shouldn't grow olives, and of a grapevine that shouldn't bear figs. Look down uh, at verse 10 with me. This might be my favorite part of the whole passage. Verse 10 reads, from the same mouth come blessing and curse. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Now the, the force of the Greek words there is actually much stronger. It's as if James is saying, no way. It shouldn't be like this. The ESV doesn't often use as many exclamation points as I do in my text messages, but it needs one there. See, we're meant to live lives of integrity. We're meant for our life in our words to match up. This is the whole focus of James's letter. He connects faith and works of words and actions. And he says earlier in his letter, he says that if we don't live it out, then our words are empty and our religion is worthless. Or faith without deeds is dead. Now instead, Calvin offers this substitute. He says, the faith which justifies is not alone. So while it is our faith in Christ and his work which justifies us before God, our faith is not supposed to be alone. In other words, true faith will work itself out. Now, I would imagine that in this time of pandemic, you, like I, have probably found that your words have an even greater impact within the spheres that you regularly inhabit, whether that's your work world or your home world. I think it's for two reasons. First, we're closer than usual. Think about the time spent in smaller environments, rubbing shoulders with your family, or in the same virtual Zoom meeting rooms with colleagues. Proximity leads to friction, and our words can have a significant effect. Now, secondly, I think that we are more distant than we are normally. See, we rely in communication on cues that we pick up from people when we are in person. I'll tell you that one of the oddest things about sitting here preaching is that with everyone with a mask on, I can't tell if you're frowning, smiling, laughing, or sticking your tongue out at me. Without the expressions that we're meant to have face to face, it's hard for us to know the impact of our words. And so for us, this means that we should consider even more the words before they come out of our mouth. So to review, James says that we should watch our words because they'll be judged, because our words lead to action, and so that we won't be a hypocrite. 
I have a good friend named Hannah. Hannah is an extrovert, she's a former teacher, and Hannah can work a crowd. As a teacher, it might as well have been Hannah's stand-up comedy hour. She had no problem at the front of the classroom. She has no problem talking. And as an adult who's mature, this is a really good thing. As a child, though, there were problems. She would regularly get caught by her parents and get in trouble for saying something. You might recall the wartime slogan, loose lips sink ships. Well, Hannah's loose lips got her in trouble. And she would constantly be telling her parents as a kid, I just can't control them. I can't control the words coming out of my mouth. Perhaps some parents can resonate either on their kid's behalf or on your own. See, I think we all have a little bit of Hannah inside of us. Sometimes we wish, like a fishing rod, we could reel those words back in. Our words can cause us trouble. Loose lips may sink ships, but tamed tongues can lead to life. Our words can be used to encourage, to bless, to guide us towards the truth, to help us walk the walk instead of just talking the talk. So my challenge for you is this week to intentionally take a pause before you speak. Last week I encouraged you to listen well. This week, take a deep breath before you speak. Let us tame our tongues and watch our words as James commends. I think if we do this, we'll be surprised that by watching our words, our heart and our attitudes will actually be changed as well. And that, in turn, will change our actions. And as James desires and as Jesus desires, our faith won't be dead, but it will be lived out. A marriage of word and deeds together. Amen? Lord, may we watch our words so that we're guided towards you. Because you are the God of life, and we desire to give you glory, in whose name we pray. Amen.